named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Wall from Love Smooth. I'm joined by Sam Hunter from Home Search. Sam, good morning. How's it going? Good morning, Mark. Good morning, listeners. Uh, it's going really well, I think. Um, I said this to our team at the end of yesterday. I felt like we had one of the better Mondays in recent memory yesterday. Everyone was just full of beans, um, which for like the fifth last Monday of the year, I think is um, odd. <laughs> I probably should have thought of a better word than odd. But yeah, I, I felt like... <laughs> Uh, we had a really good day, but I think also people probably had a good weekend. Um, and I think it makes a difference when you're not stonkingly hungover. Um, yeah. And you've probably seen some friends or some family you've got out for a walk. So I'm in a very good mood today, um, which is nice. Um, and yeah, I think, I don't know, it feels, it feels like it's been a weird year, but oddly everything's coming together. Um, I don't know about you. I know we're going to talk about... Um, the accountability stuff and, and how you've been going the last week as well. But I, and I, I have a bit of a sneak preview on that for our listeners, but I, yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of learnings this year and people are starting to apply them all. And it's not the typical November, December feeling, you know, there is a lot of positivity out there. Um, and I think probably that's what you have to have given what we've all been through. Yeah. I think it just, it just goes to show that, you can, I suppose you can, you can get, might be a bit extreme, but you can get through anything. So, um, and one of my big learnings this year is that you can't control what's going on externally. You've just got to work with, with what you've got. And as long as you have the right mindset and the determination to succeed, then whatever is going on out there is, you know, irrelevant. So I think I've all been through a lot. We are getting towards the end of the year. My wife said to me yesterday, she said, oh, I could do this do the holiday but I bet unless you've been furloughed and, and stuff like that I bet there's loads of people who have taken no days off in this industry because um just the way that the year's been I think it is now getting quieter a lot of the agents that I talk to are saying that the market is still there and that people are buying but people are not necessarily instructing mm. so we talked last week about setting ourselves up for the following year and I would encourage anybody who maybe hasn't had those you know that week in Spain or a couple of weeks in Tenerife, whatever it might be, you know, there's a few more weeks hard work and then take the time to recover because 2021, you're going to need all the energy you've, you've possibly got to you know, push through and make the business a success. But it is going to be important to switch off at some stage. I think you're exactly right. There's going to be a hell of a lot of activity um, next year. Um, and to be able to make sure that you're managing your energy and being ready for it, I think is a good thing. I say activity because I think it will be a lot of people taking stock of this year. You know, if we do return to some form of normalcy, um, and I, I suggest that would happen coming into the summertime, uh, that first six months of the year might feel like 
you're not really doing them when you're treading water because I, in my mind, and again, I'm prepared to be wrong about this, but we'll record it and we'll listen back to this in six months time to <laughs> see what happens. I feel like there will be a lot of work being done in that first quarter, um, maybe first four or five months. And it will feel like you're not making a lot of progress, a lot of valuations, a lot of follow-up, a lot of relationship building. And then come the summertime, there'll be a lot of instructions, you know? Um, but that comes from a lot of prospecting and a lot of good conversations and a lot of asking for referrals and a lot of really the diligent work, you know, it's a bit like, um, how can I best describe this? It's like training for a marathon or it's like training for a bodybuilding competition or something like that. You know, for the next four or five months you're in training. So you've got to go to the gym every day. You've got to lift weights. You've got to put in the miles on your bike or on, on the, uh, on running or something like that. You might feel like nothing's happening, but there'll be a race one day. And so all those valuations where people say, we're not quite ready now, I promise you, they'll be ready in May, June, July, August, September. You've just got to get in the door and prove they're not full of shit in the meantime, which leads us to what you've been up to, I think. <laughs> what, you said I'm full of shit? <laughs> I'm saying you're proving to yourself and to your clients and to the agents that you know that you're not because you're doing the work, you know, you're living your values. Yeah, this week has been more of a challenge, I think, to try and hit my prospecting target. So if you've not listened for a few weeks, um, after Michael Bailey came on, we talked about um, the accountability. So we said that I was going to be accountable to Sam and obviously to all of our listeners as well, by the very nature of, of doing it on the show, of making 70 prospecting calls a week. So in the first week, I think I did 81, and it was all sort of energy and you know buzzing for getting back because by my own admission and slipped into my comfort zone. Um, the second week was much more challenging. Um, and I've got a meeting with Rachel, my wife, and our marketing director this afternoon to look at our new business strategy is what we're doing the right way to do. So a bit of a review on, on that. Um, but I hit my target, 70 calls over the last week, um, and started to see some results. Also, Rachel won't mind me saying that new business is part, partly hers, her, her job as well. She has been, I think by my activity, been encouraged to get back on the phones as well. So she made 40 calls this week, um, which was 10 short of the target that she set herself, nothing to do with me, she set herself a target of 50. Um, it was 10 short, but it was probably 38 more than she'd done in the previous couple of weeks. So really made up that what are the impact and what we're doing here is starting to impact um, on, on our team as well. And we are starting to to have some success and speaking to people that want to do business with us, which after just two weeks, I think is, you know, a really, a really good result. You gave me some advice about getting it in the, in the diary, getting it scheduled like an appointment at the back end of last week, which I did. And that has helped me focus on the other parts of my job as well, because I think it became a bit of an obsession that I've got to hit my call target, I've got to hit my call target. And it would be my main aim for the day. And I don't think that's where it should be. I think it should be part of your routine. And now putting it in the diary, it's more part of my routine. And yeah, it is a, a key focus for me of the day, but it's gone from being a main focus to just, you know, one of a, a number of focuses. So it's now in the diary. My diary is, you're probably not surprised to hear, a lot busier um, than it was two weeks ago because of all the work that we've been doing. So um, still really enjoying it. This week was a little bit more of a struggle, but I hit my target and I will hit my target again next week and the following nice. week as well. 
that's the goal i think and and like um you don't know this yet but we're going to move the goalposts of what you're accountable for in the new year right so we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about this off air and we'll agree it before we move on but it, this is like the warm-up set you know coming back to the lame <laughs> fitness analogies or whatever you know we're doing the active warm-up now where you're moving your hamstrings back and forth and you're rolling your shoulders over and you're getting yourself ready for what it's going to be. You know, you're jogging around the field before you get into rugby training. We're going to do some stuff next year that's going to, again, move that forward to avoid all those lame business cliches. Um, and I'm going to join you in that as well. I mean, I'll, I'll run you through some stuff that we do within the business and some stuff that I used to do as an agent just to sort of see and everyone can hear that actually it's just a bit of consistency and a bit of work that's not scary um, and it's life-changing. So it's going to be exciting. And um, you said life-changing. I would say, you know, it's, it's, it's not scary. Once you start, start doing it, it's massively rewarding. And I can feel my energy at work from two weeks prior to now is much better. And I know that you know, I'm going to do that. We've got a bit of a review this week to say, you know, are we pushing in the right direction? Have we got the right strategy in place? Because because it's not just phone calls, there's a number of things um, as well. So we'll, we'll look at that. But if we hadn't have gone through this exercise, we probably wouldn't be talking about looking at that and improving on, um, on, on where we are. So, yeah, really rewarding. And, you know, thank you again. And looking forward to seeing how the goalposts change next year. Absolutely. Onwards and, onwards and upwards. Shall we dive in and introduce today, today's guest? Mate, I'm excited to say, let us absolutely do that. Today's guest runs a company servicing real estate businesses in 26 countries and has been highlighted as one of the top 100 property technology startups in Europe. Founded in 2016, he's come a long way and to date they've raised 6.8 million with a successful 4.5 mil funding round closed last week. He's here this morning to talk about marketing, business growth and all things real estate. Mikas Oppels, did I say that right? Welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. Yeah, morning gentlemen. Thanks for inviting me. What I should have done is asked you if I said your surname right as well before we started recording. So my apologies if I did not nail that. Uh, yes. No, it's, a, it, it's, all, it's all right. Make us all felt. That's, that's good. That will cool. go. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, a good, it's, a good, it's a good start. Um, because first, first of all, massive congratulations on, on the successful um, funding round that we saw last week in the industry news. We'll talk about that in a little while. But before we, we do talk capital raising, talk me through the idea for Draft360. Where did it come from? And then why do you think it's grown so successfully since launching in 2016? Um, yeah, if I go back in history, we actually, my connections with the property marketing started already in 2010. I was in uni. Okay. Um, it was after crisis, not too much opportunities for students to just to, to, to kind of start off our careers. And I said to my friends, let's, let's start a business. <laughs> and my, my friend showed me the virtual tours uh, in America and it was like a third. He actually didn't show it to me. He just told me the idea. And in 30 seconds, we decided like, oh, let's do it as a company because we were so eager, so hungry to go after. Um, and and, and fast, forward, uh, fast forward a couple of weeks, I was I needed to find an office for the company that I was working in at that point. And I was driving around Riga, the city I'm from, just with this trolley bus um, to go to offices. And I thought, this is such a waste. Like, we would be so 
<laughs> this idea will fly because the driving around city just to look on the walls as a student it didn't make any sense to me so and 10 years later it doesn't make too much sense to me still uh <laughs> we've gone a long way so my first business we actually we started the virtual tours but grew in one of the regions leading interactive full service te technology for others like drones cgi modeling virtual tours but like it's pivoted in a high end where we worked with the five-star hotels like in, in london uh, the ritz in hilton's and 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 a couple of years in that business i realized we have drifted away from our original thesis let's let's show the real estate because we as a service providers where we charge fee for always going into the properties like for us to grow our business we need to grow our fees and that's that's one of the one of one of the natural things there and um, and and we naturally drifted as a in a high quality in a high end um because that's where our service naturally ends up being in and 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 I start to think what are the still the ways how we can fix our original idea. And this, this is basically how Giraffe360 came around. Uh, we started just to work on a concept, how to make it efficient and viable, high-end visualizations for, for real estate agency market. And we built a tech specifically, we had a real estate state agent kind of profile on the wall. Um, we had experience, six years experience in in the real estate industry, and 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 this is this is our solution. How we think this problem could be solved. Can I ask you a question about the real estate agent profile on the wall? Yeah, because uh, that um, the majority of the people that listen to us. Well, we found out last week that we have a few listeners that aren't real estate agents, and they listen to it from like the business aspect, which I thought was cool but weird. Um, the majority of the people <laughs> that listen to the show are estate agents based in the UK. Um, what was on your profile? Like what was on the wall? Uh, to give you like a really accurate answer, I should pull up the picture and notes. We definitely had them. But, but the key learnings there was on the wall. It's super simple to use. Uh, we, with all due respect, we understood we are not building product for technical people. Because we are, we are at that point pretty high level photographer. We, we learned everything ourselves as students. When we started, we didn't know a heck about photography, not a clue what to do. It. We learned it as, as we went and um, lots of good people joined the company. And so, so, so but we, we knew that this has to be super simple to use. Um, so, and there's no, no level of entrance because I always remember as a student when I picked up my first camera, the tripod for photographers is something extremely clunky. It really takes you some time to understand how that clutch and mechanism work. It's not so; it's not intuitive. But if you're a photographer, for you, it's you learn it and you go as with many things. Mm. And and for and just one example from that wall, uh, what was written on that wall is our camera has this outer lock, which pro. We, we think we, we, we figured it out. We, we took the idea from engineering um, world, but it's basically you just put it on the tripod and it auto locks. There's no kind of key you need to push, nothing to pull. And, and this, is, this is the level of simplicity we were talking about uh, that like literally there's no hiccups. And, and on the original product development, I think we always overrated what what um, simple to use means because yeah. whenever I gave like every entrepreneur um, 
everyone who needs to grill the business there is a level of stubbornness you know in us like so we, we we push our products so our idea but then their reality sets in they have to kind of sit back and, and open the eyes and i was just i was going when i when we delivered the first cameras i was always going with the agents together and just writing notes how they use it and after every project they did i was like i had a list of things that doesn't make sense to them it, it makes sense to us when we build it but for the user so uh, pretty much that user experience was was one critical aspect for us to move this from being meant for a photographer to being mm -hmm. meant for a state agent that that was a big difference maker and i think that's where particularly in this country one of the things that i was really surprised about and a, a question i want to ask you is about agents taking their own photos. Um, so I'm, I'm from the other side of the world where no one takes their own photos in Australia. Everyone has a professional photographer. They come in, um, here is a little bit different. I know that there are some companies that operate in their own. When I first got in there, my, my initial reaction was like, what you guys take your own photos. <laughs> there's, there's professionals for that. But then you see technology like yours and there's some others out there, um, that allow them to get pretty close. I would say, uh, to being able to produce the same result at a cost, uh, saving to potentially themselves or to their clients. And I think one of the reasons potentially that it people do that here is because the agent absorbs loads of cost, um, and there's none of it's actually passed on in all the countries that you guys operate in. Um, is it always the agent that pays for your services or do they pass on your cost to any of their clients or anything like that? Do you, do you, like record any of that that sort of statistics or anything yes so it's um it really differs um and and depends on the on the on the clients but we see mostly that agents absorb the cost and that just becomes the, the cost of their service because as i think a lot of our clients and just marketing in general just realizes that it's it's, it's hard to like photography and and to some extent it's a commodity and and it's i think it's complicated to charge for um and just to say you always need to push we're going to give you the best photography in the history of the mankind or <laughs> it's really it's subjective as well right and photography is yeah. so subjective it's yeah. extremely subjective so uh because when we speak about quality are we speaking about resolution about the angle about artistics like there's a ways you have to measure but there's no standards so when people speak about as a side note to this when we start we, we always build the product for the for the global market and and uk was 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 our first main main kind of base and and and, and majority of our customers are here um but but we always built with that global glo global um idea in mind and and one of the first things we did is one of our picture processing uh, professionals did this research. Uh, she went into every portal in Europe and tried to summarize what is good photography. Um, so, and, and she went through like thousand properties in each country and pulled out what is kind of the standards. And so it was a bit kind of subjective from our perspective. Mm. That research was gold when I was looking, it was a PDF presentation this is good photography in Sweden. This is good photography in the UK. <laughs> and this is good photography in, in, in Russia. 
it completely changes country by country uh, based on cultural preferences. So then to say that you have a good photography or bad photography, like when I saw that presentation, I completely stopped talking about design or, or something that's visual in a sense, good or bad. <laughs> There's just, just, just standards that, that, uh, that regions and markets wants to follow. So, and, and, uh, for as an example, in Sweden, photographies are really bright, so the saturation is turned down. So it's like this this kind of this Scandinavian minimalistic. Uh, <laughs> of course, it is. <laughs> and, and 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 the bathrooms are are, are and and when you, you you turn down the saturation, you often get this kind of um, the you get the blue color out a lot. Uh, so and and you're gonna see lots of when you notice the pattern is just just kind of you look on the photos and it uh, it's uh, but but the, the interesting fact in the UK picture editing is not a big thing so the, the there's not such a high level of requirements for photography if I'm if I'm completely honest it's quite average because it's more not edited photos is the average standard than uh, highly edited uh, windows masked. Uh, uh, photos so uh, but yeah so but to go back to your original question it really depends and I don't have a data in front of me but I think and there is a complicated complexity of selling photography um, as, a, as, as a thing involved there I think that kind of pushes that as well hmm. that's really interesting to hear about how the photography is different across the countries I'm sure many of our listeners as as, as I did, didn't necessarily um, con consider that as a, as a major difference. But I thought it would be, you know, you know, fairly similar. But operating across so many different markets, makers, can you talk me through how, in your opinion, the UK compares um, to the other markets that you operate in, and maybe if there's any lessons that you think we could learn from the other markets? Good question, but um, I probably will not give like super insightful answer because I think I have learned one. <laughs> Property, property is property like it's and 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 people people are selling it so it's it's and that makes our even though like 26 countries now sounds and we have like some pretty uh, ama amazing uh, like like differences there like how uh, villas in Malta in Cayman Islands in uh, high-rises in Dubai and 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 countryside in Ireland so we, we kind of have the difference but but we speak with our clients so and we are quite we try to be super hands-on like uh, on whatsapp we try to speak with our customers and just share but property is property and selling it is selling it so you, you need to have your local like from our perspective once we we just have been always focused on on we have two ears and one mouth like shut up and listen and when we listen to these specific and then it's then it's that too big of a difference to be honest with um there is there is cultural patterns which are different servicing customers for example um in more or less in dutch region uh, german-speaking countries it's more systematic, like um, questions, answers, uh, and it's it's interesting way, and and you can really see that in sales. It's like answering a questionnaire, like a spec sheet, when when in UK it all all comes down to negotiations uh, and banter, <laughs> and it's on the phone, and it's it's long conversations back and forth, and there's lots of push on the on the price, but. State agents in every single country push on the price. It literally doesn't matter what's the cultural background. Like 
price is the if price negotiations is like mantra and whether it's yeah so it's really but but um no i, I don't have like a particularly good insights in how state agency better performs in switzerland than in uk and we're more focused on servicing uh them and you guys to to to, to think of uh, who is doing something better so yeah it'd be very interesting i think whether you guys have the resource to undertake uh i say study because it's a much cooler word than survey right no one likes yeah. surveys but everyone wants to be part of a study Study. <laughs> um, for you guys to, to have a look at like what would be the key factor in each of their businesses across that those 26 countries and just to see how I agree with you like people need to buy houses people need to sell houses people need to rent houses everywhere in the world um, fundamentally there isn't that much difference I think there are cultural differences that determine a myriad of other factors you know from cost down to whether they'll do the showings or whether somebody else will do them, whether they'll have more than one party in the house at one time and onwards. But it would be really interesting to have a list of these 26 countries and say like, what is the most important thing to you? You know, wow. and just to see, see what they are. So I challenge that to you and then you can come back on and you can tell us and we, we can go through this and go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, yeah. like, that's such a big, like, that's a great question. I think, yeah, that I, I you can you can you can take my word. I'm definitely gonna gonna ask this question on a, on right, a study, no. not on the survey. On a study, everyone loves studies. But you want to praise it uh, for your business or for your marketing? Because I think when you uh, or, or you want to really generalize it, the question. That's a good question. We asked the question on this show, Mikus. All right, we talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could you could split it up again. It, I think that the way that you get amazing answers when you are doing any sort of research is you ask one question yeah um if you if you give people more than that then they're like oh shit i can't be bothered you know so i'll just give you the quick answer which is usually close to where it wants to be but it's not quite deep enough to the truth to actually have any sort of meaningful impact on your business on their business on anyone else that might be interested to read it'd be a good pr piece for you guys just quietly as well but i yeah, think if, if, if you ask that question above all else what's the most important thing to you and your business? You know, yeah. um, I don't want to give away what I think some of the answers would be, <laughs> but that'd be a good place to start. And then, you know, in six months time, you can say in your marketing, what's the most important thing or whatever. Yeah. You know? um, I'd, yeah. be, I'd be really interested to, to read your results if you go and do that. But, but can, if I can pick on that, I think this is one thing I have learned from building a starter product. Like when you are in service business, like a photographer, you just get an order and focus on, like relationships and communication but building a tech product teaches to uh, the art of of figuring out a good question and 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 i think this is a brilliant question but uh and and what what what's also really important is not to make it too much too many of them because then you yourself get lost so what i've right. learned is figure out what's your one really important question that you want to learn and just go with that instead of like doing 10 or like big these studies and 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 that's just like a, a, a learning that i use a lot in business instead of kind of going vague and doing long documents just just pick three questions and ask them to all your customers and and yeah. uh, rather than like oh we need to do like humongous study to understand it like we always i think as a human being we always approach tasks from complexity standpoint of like how do we make the way but i think 
developing product have really embraced is no, 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 strip down to the essence mm. and just shoot with that. So, uh, and yeah. I, I completely agree with that. I think I have realized over the last three years that you can only solve one problem at a time. You might have a, a number, you know, thousands, hundreds, whatever to solve, but the more you try and solve at the same time, the less you actually get done. Um, and it's really, I agree with you, it's really important. You ask the good question, you get a good answer, you can actually do good work um, yeah. if, you're, if you've got the humility to actually listen. Um, and that's, I think, the difference between trying to build something from nothing to coming in and doing stuff. You, you realise actually you've got okay ideas, but it's actually the customer that turns them into great ideas because they're like, well, you understand 50% of my issues. Here's the mm -hmm. other 50%. Now go away and build it and I'll pay for it, you know? <laughs> Spot on, spot on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask you a question about your sort of growth because I think uh, I sort of read the trade press and I'm glad that we're getting to have a chat today as well. And I see that you guys have funding aside, the business has grown, you know, the reputation has grown. You see on forums uh, when somebody's like, what should we do for our photography? You go always in the top sort of two comments that people are saying, use these guys. Yeah. So, um, two questions around that, because I actually think any business's growth, there are principles in there that can be applied to any other business if they want to grow. Um, so how have you gone about, um, obtaining that consistency and that traction? And then what are your sort of plans? This has been a weird year, but I think it's been a challenging year, um, in a lot of the right ways as well. It's forced people to grow and to rethink how they operate, which I think for our industry is a really good thing. Um, so how have you sort of maintained and, and grown uh, in the past? And then what are your sort of plans for the future? Um, yeah, good questions. It's a wide one, but my, my growth strategy more or less in last year has been around um, extreme focus. I, I would, I would emphasize like maybe extreme is a too strong word, but um, this, this oh, is okay. <laughs> this is something that it's it's a lot nice sign soundbite extreme focus and what I mean by that my first business worked in twelve different industries uh, we were doing virtual tour seizure and it grew in we had like ten plus product products uh, like do photography can't make enough money uh, do virtual tours for for real estate then do virtual tours for hotels then do buy a drone and I was launching products around what we do just like snap like oh let, let's we were the first ones to buy like a drone back in 2012 like there was no drones uh, we were actually first trying to uh, build it uh, by with some engineers uh, they were crazy so so but but I definitely learned through my first business experience and then when I need to manage it it sounds cool on a podcast or it looks nice on a paper. Oh, we're working this and this. And, and when journalists and people ask me these questions, oh, but what are the other industries you want to service? I was like, no, no, we work with state agents. Like, no, 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 I don't let that, I don't let anyone to interfere with the who's our number one customer we are servicing. And if there is something that comes along the way, fine. But for example, so our sales team, is not doing presentations actually to companies outside of your state agency. You don't get a per personal demo. Nice. Because as soon as you say, okay, let's look at whether the use case is good there. No, 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 no. If it's not a state real estate state agency, we're not doing a demo. So, and that means that all our knowledge is accumulated around 
photography and floor planning in a state agency. That's it. And, and yes, we are way that we are in 26 countries, but it grew. I, I, I'm a bit biased on, on international. Like one of my, my kind of likes about business is this kind of working in every country in the world. I just think it's so amazing that you could, you could do that. I think it, I, so I'm a bit biased when some, uh, some lead comes in from a from a random location you never heard about and i was like no no no, we are doing a demo for that so <laughs> it's my fault because i'm, I'm focused on, on 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 the global and international and that's kind of my biasness and that, that's why probably i can't say it's extreme focus because if we would be extremely focused we would be fo uh, we would be servicing real estate state agencies in yorkshire then it would be extreme uh, but but that focus it becomes it, it, it's essential because then every everyone else is clear marketing is clear who we are marketing and we learn about the market we uh the sales we're learning about like we keep our ears open what our customers need and we don't get conflicting information of should we have this feature or that feature the floor plans need to be accurate margin of error is three percent let's build a product with two percent margin of error Bam. Photography, this is the photography that real estate state agents need. And 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 so so our growth, I would say a lot comes down to the focus and, and we really try to understand uh, understand our markets and, and then then being direct and and and, and hands-on. Uh, so we, we, we I don't think we have done two way of marketing up to this point. We have been we haven't i think we we haven't been marketing but but we have been using channels just to educate about our product and show the value and and hopefully good deals comes out of it and 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 pro and and which leads to the product market fit which in the startup world is a natural but i don't think in a in a real estate state agency people talk about product market fit but i think in our world that's a that's you live or die. Um, if you don't have the product market fit, nothing happens. There's no point to sell uh, if if market doesn't need your product and there is not a good natural fit and, and we have nailed it, nailed it right. So, and 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 we have the mark product market fit, which which I think is the biggest reason why the growth is happening there. And one number that gives kind of insight of why I believe that is because thirty five to forty percent of our customers comes from referrals. And those are existing state agencies that, mm. that have a body in different different parts of the UK or Europe uh, who's in the same business or under the same uh, franchise group name. Um, and they do the, uh, hey, look, check this out. And, and, and thank you all state agents. The, the fact that you're salesy by, <laughs> by, by mentality it helps because when you do that referral, it sounds so strong. It sounds better than our marketing pitch <laughs> because it's always like, this is the best thing in the history of the mankind or something like that. It's never mild or, <laughs> or, or kind of so. So um, referrals. Yeah. It's an amazing way to grow. We uh, almost have a, it's like a, almost a non-negotiable now in our business that at the end of a really like any conversation, good or bad, we just ask who's one other person, you know, who's one other agent. We're the same. We'd be solely niche down to estate agents in the UK because you can't, I don't think you can complete a product unless you've completely served an industry. And we have approaches from like house builders and lenders and things like that. And actually our product wouldn't suit them because it's not being built for them. Coming back to what we said before, we've not asked them the questions to get the answers that we have for our, our current people. So I agree with you there and, and referrals 
uh, I read a really interesting thing and I'm reading this, this marketing book at the moment. And it was like, marketing is what gets you customers, uh, your product and your people are what retains them. People assuming your product and your people are what gets you. And it's, it's not like anybody can be suckered in, <clears throat> excuse me, in within marketing. It's what you have. Then once they're sucked in, they realize they haven't been sucked in. It was actually what they needed. And that's what then uh, scales that, you know, if you can get, two people to talk about your product. You never really have to spend a huge amount of money on getting that market in the first place. So it's quite cool to see how you've grown like that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, and, and I, I wanted to add on, you, you nicely tied in the product, which I think I didn't emphasize. And I believe through my first business experience is uh, that, that marketing doesn't come first. Uh, first is the product. That's the overall belief. Because what was also on Dr. Wall, it was we need the best product in the world. The question is, what does it mean? What's the world? What's the region? What's the, uh, what's the markets? And, and there's lots of asterisks. What does the world mean? Uh, because something, um, um, because it's really, it's really hard to generalize like one, the best car in the world or the best phone. It, 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 it's, it's more from a personal biasness perspective, but, um, yeah, I think, I, I think we, we world has spent too much time on, on, on trying to, worry about marketing and now it's the time and and now it's kind of um coming back to hunt us so uh we we see flashy headlines and and buy things based on the flashy statements uh i think there just has to be underlying value and and we've been more focused on the product than we have been on on the marketing and thus we have been more focused on um how to find that bit uh, fit and just better explain it and, and, and better channel it and uh, just just as an example from we are 72 people now in the team and still 65 is the technical uh, team uh, so even at this wow. point we're still pretty much uh product and service first uh mm -hmm. And then we are marketing or sales first, and we we kind of hope that it all align, aligns. And there's just this um, unwritten understanding from the clientele and just just efficiency in, in how our marketing and sales operates. Cool. I think it's really interesting that you talk about the referrals, and then a lot of what the stuff that you talked about after saying that and before about knowing your clients, building the product. I think that inevitably is what builds the referrals. This is a, a pretty niche podcast as well, Mikas, aimed just, just at estate agents. It's called the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we claim to be world class, but we like to try and strive to get towards world class. So everyone that we ask onto the show answers this question. So hopefully you've got some interesting insight and it's what does world class estate agency look like to you? Um, one thing I definitely have noticed that I would put high on that is hands-on. Uh, all all good state agencies we work with are hands-on. They're they're always ready to do business. They are responsive and quick in their decision making. And the culture is it's uh, it, it's hands-on, and you see they really own their business and they own the customer and they. They don't give a break for us, and if something's not right, my message, my WhatsApp is bl is blowing up. But I'm looking, it's like guys care. <laughs> so um, I, I would I would say um, it, it's it's being hands on, and that that's that's my number one answer. Cool, sure, awesome. sweet. I like that. Because thank you so much. Yeah, um, I, I have been so I don't know if you could hear. I've got like the loudest mechanical keyboard known to man, and I don't know if you could hear me typing notes throughout. But there was some, I think, 
just really core principles in there that people can take away from this, regardless of whether you are a digital photography company, or whether you're an estate agency or doing anything that you want. I don't think extreme was the wrong word either. I'm like, Mark, I think extreme focus is a cornerstone to success in whatever you want to do, you know? Um, so from, from Mark, I, from all our listeners, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's been great. Uh, I'm excited to have you back for the results of your study. <laughs> definitely doing that. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Sam. A massive thank you once again to Microsoft Health from Giraffe360 for joining us today. Um, really interesting on a business level. A lot of um, what Mika said wasn't stuff that I think is just specific to Giraffe and his business, but actually um, we talk about working on the business um, quite a lot on this show. And I think he gave a lot of advice today that agents could use and implement to help them work on their business, Sam. Um, I've got a couple of notes and asterisks, which he talked about just kind of as part of his process, but actually very relatable to agency. And I'll, I'll come on to my favorite term of the interview later, but he just talked about, and you asked the question about having the agent profile on the wall. He didn't talk specifically about the agency he wanted to work with, but I thought that was a real interesting demonstration of somebody knowing their client knowing the client they want to work with. Yeah, knowing the client they want to work with. He talked about making it super and simple to use, but visualizing it for his team and then going out and building the product based on the client and their their feedback, which I bet loads of estate agents don't do. You have to know who you're going to communicate with, I think. And that's really what sales or product development is. It's being able to communicate and understand uh, the needs and then you build whatever yeah. is necessary. In an estate agency um, perspective, that's the wrong word, but I can't think of the right one. If you don't understand the people that you're sitting opposite at their dining room table, you can't service those specific needs. You are just going to offer your cookie cutter, you know, photos, portal, signboard, away we go. Um, we, within our business, we don't use walls anymore because everyone has separate four walls. Um, so we have... <laughs> like documents and Google sheets where we have our customer avatars, you know, and we split them up. So we have a, we have an avatar, which is just a, just a fancy word for description of yeah. uh, like uh, it's called like Ned the Neg, you know? So what's it, who is the negotiator that's going to be using us? But then we split it down again as an independent negotiator, as a corporate negotiator, because they'll use things differently and they'll have different permissions within it. Then you've got a business owner, then you've got a regional manager, then you've got an office manager, you know, then you've got a shareholder who might see something and then want their people to use it, but they don't have budget control or something. So we understand who all these people are and most importantly, what problems they have, what pain points do they have? You know, um, Simon, one of the guys did this awesome exercise where he's like, it was like a day in the life of an estate agent. And he listed all these things that agents do. Uh, and then the next slide, he's like, and look what Home Search does. And it was all the same stuff. And I've been doing this. This has been my life for three years, and I'd not simplified it that much, you know. Um, and we were like, oh, we should probably do some marketing on that. <laughs> you know, uh, That might help us a lot. So, yeah, it's to, to understand whatever you're doing, who your customer is. You know, have you got a family that's selling a house? Um, have you got a family that's letting their property? Are they a landlord? Um, are people getting divorced? Because again, the questions and the sort of due diligence 
and maybe the suggestions you make for a couple who are splitting up versus a couple who are selling and staying together, you're going to be completely different. You know, there will be some core stuff that's the same, but your approach, your empathy, the level of communication, you know, I always say if somebody's, um, if you're dealing with two separate parties, it's not just communicating twice the amount, it's almost communicating four times the amount because you're the bridge between them. You don't just have to tell them what you know. You have to tell them that you've told the other person what you know as well to keep them completely informed. Um, so yeah, knowing your customer, I think is hugely important. Um, I really, I, again, we, we try when we have people who are in um, like supplier related businesses, um, we don't sort of necessarily say to them beforehand, this isn't the sales pitch or anything like that, but we try and not make it too, product heavy and more make it industry relatable so that everybody gets something out of it. And I think Mikus did so well in like talking about how good he is at what he does, but not saying it. Um, and one of the really interesting points that he made was, was when he was talking about not only the industry, but about what he does within that industry. And he's like, property's property. You know, everywhere you go, people have to sell houses, people have to buy houses. That is what it is. And photography is completely subjective you know so it's not up to us to determine what's the good photography how you want to do it. it's up to us to deliver the best product and people will determine that our product is good no matter how they use it um and so i really like that i think he sort of hit the nail on the head there and really understands his place in those 26 ecosystems in all the countries that he operates in as well yeah i thought that was a really interesting when he was talking about you know property being property and the market research that, that he did because ultimately that's he, he talked about one of his colleagues who I think looked at a thousand photos from all the different countries that, that they operate in on, yeah. on the portals and I just thought that was a really interesting piece of benchmarking the competition looking at what you're um you're you're up against again very um very much business focused as you quite rightly said rather than about his product so he talked about a lot of things that he does in his business that are you know general you know sort of things that we could we could operate so the market research the benchmark competition what you talked about having your client avatar and giving them a name is really effect effective because you then start to associate with that person so you've got Ned the negotiator we've got liam and laura the first and second time sellers who you know um are all into tech and want to do everything on the phone. Interestingly enough, we've also got another end of the market, the silver surface. We've not given them a name. So that's going to be one of my jobs today to give them a name because I think um, once you have that client avatar and once you give them a name, you can then associate with them. You can market them. You can appeal to them um, much better just to go back to, to that point. You could have Liam and Laura love to move and then you could have like uh, Ernie and Ella love estate agents or something like that, you know? <laughs> um, I don't know. Just yeah. me think, that's me thinking out loud. Um, a bit of alliteration going. Yeah, I think so. Um, on, I want to come back. So one of the, the things that Mick has talked about was, um, and I think we had a bit of like a three-way bromance when we were talking about this, um, was, was like not only, um, and I think I know your, your, your favorite saying that he said through it, so I'm not going to mention that, but he talked about like <laughs> business is all about figuring out what the best questions are. Yeah. Um, you know, and figuring out what is the best, most important question or questions, you know, up to three. And we talked about surveys and studies and research and all that stuff, but what are, what's most important to your client and asking those questions and then just shutting the fuck up and listening, you know? Um, and it is, it is an art, 
you know, and part of this is where we'll go full circle to where we started this chat before we spoke to Mikas was part of, I think what will, uh, increase the level of results that you get from your accountability exercise next year is you'll find out we're going to work on what your core questions are, you know? And then, so your accountability becomes how many times have I asked these questions to these people every day, you know, because that will then move the results forward in like, I was going to say inconceivably. I don't know if anyone's ever seen the, the movie, the princess bride, great movie. And there's this guy who just says inconceivable the whole time. Cause you can't believe that reality is actually happening. Um, that is what happens when you ask the right people, the right questions, you know, consistently it's inconceivable. The like amount of, success is a cheesy word but you know it, it is what happens when it comes back to you and i think it's clear in giraffe 360 and mix's business that they've figured out what their good questions are and that's allowed them to grow you know yeah and that's what that's where a lot of this comes and this is the reason for the growth and he did i don't think Mikus didn't i don't think say this is the reason for our growth but he said this is what we've done and i think when you put it all together you can see that is the reason for his growth. All of these these things that that he did, you you're, you're absolutely spot on. So um, I've got in quotation marks on my pad the art of figuring out a good question. What's your one question that you want to learn? And I mentioned before the interview that I'm going to sit down with Rachel to look at our new business strategy. That is one thing that I am going to pull out because I don't think as a business we know what our one question is and. That's the art of good communication, right? So he talked about um, the that art of figuring out a good um, question, communicating and listening. Um, but the art of good communication is being able to simplify complex ideas into a simple statement, or you know, sim- uh, simplifying everything you want to know into one question. And I think that is the art of good communication, really, really powerful. Mm, agreed, and th- that comes from. You know, he said that he thought extreme might have been the wrong word, but um, it's not, I don't think. You know, and you, you, you do need, if you want to hit whatever goals that you set yourselves, if they are challenging, and I hope everybody who listens to this podcast sets themselves challenging goals, otherwise, what's the point? Um, yeah. But you need extreme focus. It's dedication, you know. And dedication is a really scary word because people think it needs to be 24-7 and extreme might sound scary, but actually it's just consistent. Extreme focus is doing what other people are unwilling to do. It's 20 phone calls every day. You know, it's, it's um, talking to 70 people every single week from Tuesday to Tuesday. You know, it's whatever you decide, give that your full attention and make it happen. And there are no uh, excuses on that as well. Um, and I think from giving it that level of focus, you, when you and Rachel sit down and you talk about what your focus is going to be, you know, do it with a, a extreme focus in, in rabbit ears, right? Because that's going to help reveal what your good questions are and your good questions are going to come from your customer avatars and understanding who they really are, you know, and then you might actually write niche down into who is this targeted for, you know, and there'll be certain mm-hmm. agents be like, well, we don't need to waste our time talking to them or waste their time as well, you know? Um, so yeah, I think again, coming back to where we started this chat, there were so many core principles that he operates in his business that are just transferable. You know, we weren't sure what yeah. we we're going to get out of that chat because we didn't want to make it just about the product that that he's worked so hard on, and it's turned into you know almost philosophical chat about business and about life, which is really cool. And I think to sort of uh, there's not a lot of summary you can give for his answer on world class agency because it was short, <laughs> sweet, and to the point. But again, 
you know, you just made the point there. We, or Mike said, we start at a point of complexity, you know, and we've got to work backwards to simplicity. And it's clear he's probably thought a lot about what world-class estate agency is, but never really verbalized it, but got to the point where it's just, he said it's hands-on, you know? Yeah. Um, and isn't hands-on just an incredibly simplistic way of describing what we talk about week in, week out? Yeah, you can talk about all, all the rest of it, but when it comes down to, you know, that client experience, they want somebody that is, is hands-on, always ready, always responsive, and owning your customer. That was a really interesting term, you know, um, and with that will be, you know, being accountable to your customer. Um, he actually talked about being hands-on, I think, as well, when he talked about understanding his his market. But I took loads of loads out of there. As always with these podcasts, I've got loads of notes, as you've probably seen in, in our little wrap-up here, got loads of notes about how I can take what he t- talked about and implement them, implement that into my business. So I've got um, about the avatar. I think I can really learn from that term, which you were absolutely right, was my favorite term, extreme focus, because it is something that anyone that really knows me will tell you that I am awful at extreme focus because I get distracted by, well, it's probably one of the reasons why I'm a giraffe client is because I get distracted by tech and I was like, sort of really interested in this piece of tech a couple of years ago and I do loads of little bits of tech. So maybe I can learn from that extreme focus and implement it into my business more. Um, but a really fantastic interview, loads and loads of takeaways. And I'm very grateful for, for his time because it's been an hour of our time this morning and I've now got loads of actions to to implement that I will share with our team in our morning meeting and I will also go over and, and, and implement over the next couple of weeks. Cool, man. Awesome. Well, thank you very much um, once again to Mikas for joining us today. Thank you very much for listening. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it improve and get better. If you do like what we do, please share it with colleagues and drop us a review if you haven't already, probably on Apple Podcasts. My name's Mark Worrell. He's been Sam Hunter. Thank you very much. We'll see you again next week.